0: Welcome to an incredibly loud man bellowing into the darkness. Uh, This is a marvellous room. We've got some, like, shapes being projected onto the ceiling. It's, uh, I feel like I'm in a dream sequence. Also today, I'm joined by Quintin Smith. (laughs) The guy who started shutting it down. It's not surprising he's here. Hello, Hello, Matt. joined by as if it's, like, my website. Thanks for joining us, Quint. Thank you all very much for... I've just noticed that you've been given some kind of, like... Yeah, I've got some interesting stuff going on. Um, I've got like, this, this coffee you bought me, tastes kind of like beef. Yeah. Um, giving new meaning to ground coffee. I don't know, like, and... Thank you for groaning at that, uh, everybody in the mean, it, I'm not joking, it tastes like soup a little bit. It tastes like Bisto, which is a British gravy thing. Also, I've got a little thing which has a laser radiation avoid direct exposure, which allows me to do a pointer around the room, which I'm not going to do any lower than this because I don't know what liabilities like in terms of me blinding people. So that's fun, isn't it? Uh, if you're listening to this at home, this is a podcast about board games, uh, and card games, and role-playing games, and all the other games you can play in your very own house. This episode, from PAX Unplugged, in the city of Philadelphia. Round of applause, everybody! <laughs> We have got, thank you all very much for coming. Where are my manners? We have got some board games for you today. Matthew, Lees, and I are gonna be talking about Heaven and Ale, a game of drunk mugs, a game of drunk monks and bad hexagons. We're gonna be talking about Rake Holt, a game of unattainable carrots and the Icelandic people who love them. We're going to be talking about Captains of the Gulf, a game of bad prawns and questionable fishing practices. We're going to be talking about Trap Words, a game exploring what happens when good words go bad. And finally, we're going to be talking about Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. A lovely game of, ooh, some fans of, uh... Yeah, some fans of King Ludwig. Yeah, you know he's, he's dead, right? That's, uh, it's very sad. It is sad. And he is honestly a very, very, very cool and interesting person who yeah. brought a lot of he's a king who spread his money around his people. It was actual trickle down economics was King Ludwig because yeah. he had his money and then he said build me like one hundred castles. Yeah, and then ended up just being remembered as being mad, which feels feels like a, a tough rub. <laughs> yeah, as opposed to like eccentric. Between two castles of like good for the economy, King Ludwig. Yeah. Uh, then we're going to be answering a couple of mailbag questions, including Matt and I having a showdown about whether the phrase... The you know what, I'm not going to spoil it, but uh, Matt has some strong feelings about a piece of board gaming slang. I've got some strong feelings about that. I do not, but I'm going to argue about it with you anyway. Shall we talk about our first game on the podcast? Shall we talk about heaven and ale? I'm, yes, we're going to do that, but I'm just going to check as well. Can everybody in the room currently see a big yellow pair in a blue background on these screens? Okay, I'm glad I checked this, because otherwise we would have been running a PowerPoint presentation for ourselves on this monitor. <laughs> <laughs> if, if somebody could make some noise when a, a big yellow parent <laughs> Wonderful. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a marvellous invention called... Microsoft PowerPoint. I, <laughs> I do not uh, used it for years. I understand that in America, PowerPoint, is that how you pronounce it? PowerPoint. Arrived a few years ago, but in England, we've just got it and we're very excited. It is crazy. Did you know you, could, like, you can put pictures in an order? It's a sequence of pictures. Um, it's a nightmare to use. It's one of the worst programs I've ever used. <laughs> Why does anyone use this program? I've got no idea. It's hell. It's bad. It should be destroyed. Next slide. <laughs> uh, if you're listening to this podcast we are enhancing our live shows with revolutionary PowerPoint technology so people can see a picture of the game we're talking about. Yeah, if you'd like to get the experience at home just google the name of the game that we're talking about. And the first one is Heaven and Ale. That's right. Heaven and Ale. Yeah, we took a look at this one when it was uh, winning some awards and uh, I Matt's rules explanation of Heaven and Ale is one of my favorite things. So I'm going to let him explain what the game is. Oh, so basically this is this is not the the real rules explanation but it's the one that I like and it works so well this is a game of monks trying to get absolutely wrecked (laughs) they're just trying to drink as much beer as they possibly can but how are you gonna drink loads of beer you've got to make loads of beer and you make loads of beer by getting all of these fields and filling them up with all the things you need to make beer wheat hops wood for barrels and water that's all it is if you've got purity laws go Germany Then, basically, you make things, and then you make sheds, and uh, you've got a fertility bonus in the sheds, and if you surround your sheds with monks, then they have... Z- monks have a f- no fertility bonus. <laughs> but then, like, you really, you really rapidly advance your brewmaster token if you just make a shed that's surrounded by monks. And for me, like this is apparently about monks making ale and selling it, but for me, it's very obviously a game about monks getting, like, crunk. Like, just getting, like, <laughs> absolutely smashed. And being like, what's in that shed over there? Oh, that's the shed that we just go into and get smashed. Yeah, it's the best. Um, more practically speaking, the way the game works is you have this uh, central track in the middle of the board, and... Players in the style of Takedo or Lignum um, decide how many steps they're going to move their player token along. So like maybe you see... Some, I don't know how this works in terms of like theme, but you might see some really great water down the road. So you like leapfrog ahead of all your friends and you pay for the water, and then you get to put the water token, the water hexagon you've picked up, on your personal board, which is like a little abbey grounds. Um, And again, the theme is bizarre because your abbey, like some kind of like hellscape, is divided into sunny side and dark side. Um, And just like any farmer will know, if you plant crops in the dark side of your farm, it instantly turns into cash. But, uh, hops and wood and water and wheat, I don't know how you plant water as well, that is like plowed into the sunny side, uh, you use the number on that hexagon for your beer. So it's, Immediately, the thing that I think defines having a nail, and, ale, and we, we should say, we quite like it. It's yep. really pretty cool. It's really great. I had a lovely time playing it, I would play it again, but there's one little problem which will explain why. It didn't stick around in either of our collections, we'll get to that later. But um, it is a game of existing on like the most razor-thin margin I have ever played, maybe? Yeah. Because you get cash and instantly you just go down to no cash again. It's, it's like... <laughs> it's incredibly sort of razor It's also the fact that it has a lovely mechanic that you need to get all of these five ingredients to make your beers, because I say that it's about monks getting crunk, but really they don't get <laughs> crunk until the very end, at which point they just go ballistic. <laughs> but that's just... after the game has ended. So. Yeah, they just make so they basically get ready to make beer, and then they just make tons of the stuff, hopefully. But there's a rule which basically <laughs> means that like you have to get all of your ingredients up high, and if you don't if you end up having a couple of ingredients that like you didn't get many of, then you, depending on how far you got around the track, you have a ratio then of how many spaces do you need to move things back from the front to move things at the back forward? Yeah, it's atrocious. So like, it means that like, you can quite easily be like, oh, if you don't get the thing, and then you score whatever is at the back, and if you don't get it to like a certain point in the board, then it doesn't matter. You might have unlocked a five-times score multiplier, but if your score is zero, you got nothing. Again, man, these monks are living close to the edge. Yeah, yeah. it's like you can have the best wheat, the best water, the- but if you don't have any wood, if these monks don't have wood, let me tell you, it's a disaster, because... <laughs> why is everyone laughing? I don't... It wasn't a joke. is serious. serious. If like, you don't have wood, then, like, if the wood... Stop laughing. Like, what? <laughs> Someone's cheering there. They right? get no points. That's a really well, horrendous. It's what? Is, like, like the worst thing that can happen. So you've played expertly the whole game. Your wood is on, like, the one space of the track, despite all your best efforts, and then you could advance it up the track by taking your highest resource and dropping it down by five? Yeah. Like. Ow! And it's the weird thing as well of like, it's like rockets taking off and the fact that everyone spends their whole game and it's like, how many turns are left? And you're like, two turns. And you look at your thing you're like, <laughs> we're not going to brew any beer. Like, we're going to brew like maybe a small can. Enough for, they like, they'll like pass it around like they're teenagers, like being yeah. naughty. <laughs> Don't do that, that's illegal. I noticed that on the policy for this show, a lot of the, the things you're not allowed to do are things that are illegal. So I'm guessing that crimes just generally, keep it out of the room if you can. There's no crimes today in here. But, yeah, it basically means that you can, you can effectively just end up with nothing, but it tends to be that in the last turn, you suddenly just go whoomph, and you've got hops coming out your wazoo, and, and everything's going fine. But it's weird, like, it feels like right until the very end, nothing happens. Well, it explodes. Yeah, and so much of that is because on your sort of hexagon farm board, you have these spaces where sheds could be, but you can only build a shed if you've fully surrounded it, which means for so much of the game, you're not surrounding sheds until at the end, hopefully, it's an incredibly tense ending because did you surround your sheds yes you did pow 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 and then when you place a shed you get to score everything around it again like <laughs> let me tell you i don't know if you guys yes. have played board games but it's really exciting <laughs> <laughs> it's great yeah you can you can easily end up in a situation where you come home and you discover you now have five sheds like your husband's taken too much prescription medication right? <laughs> <laughs> You've gone to the diy shop and you're like oh, this is this is a problem yeah. um yeah it's really really quite lovely. Yeah, we should now, should we move on to the uh, the problem with it? Yeah. It's real ugly. It's really, so, really ugly. Well, Shut Up and Sedan has been, uh, you know, sort of accused of, uh, in the past of, like, we say we like a game, we like a game, we like a game, we like a game, and then we say, but it's not good looking. Like, that's a terrible problem, and it's not. It's just that you have to remember that, I mean, if it, it's not just that Heaven and Ale is like, um, Heaven and Ale is competing with all the other games that are as good at it and as and are aesthetically pleasing, Yes. right? It's not that... Uh, we have limited space in our shelves, and Heaven and Hell is really strong, but often Shut Up Down has been recommending Euro games that are really strong and have a great theme yeah, and we, t- feel nice to touch. You know, we live in a new era of, of Euro games now. Like We're getting lots of like really attractive Euro games, and I think that a big part of Eurogames is enjoying moving things around in your own little space and the aesthetics of that and how it feels to do that. It's a big thing. Yep. And so it's one of these things where we look at it and it's like, it's great, but you just think, oh, have it looked? And it always seems to be the way, though, that, like, you play these games that are really quite tremendously ugly, and they're, th- they're really good. They're the best ones, yeah. And you're like, the ones that you think, this is gorgeous. You're like, this isn't actually like, quite good enough. It's, uh... mm. But what sucks is that Heaven and Ale was an Eggert Spiel release, and then Plan B bought Eggert Spiel. And since then, we've had games like Coinbra and Blackout Hong Kong from Eggert Spiel, which Plan B is ensuring now have like a really nice lick of paint. So Heaven and Ale was just like the last Chubra... No, that last Chubra out of Saigon. That analogy is offensive and doesn't work. Um, yeah, it's like if... Plan B had bought Eggertspiel a bit earlier. We could have a version of Heaven and L that's beautiful and great, so that's a real shame. Uh, but we have games we like uh, maybe even more than Heaven and L coming mm. up, so should we move on to the next slide? Pressing a button. It's Raycult. What did you say the software was called? This is called... PowerPoint, PowerPoint. For anyone but. at home. Look it up. It's awful. And it costs how much? It's, 400 I th- pounds. I think it's quite expensive. You know. <laughs> my office these days is about 70 quid, I think. Okay, Matt, I'm going to tell you about Raycult now. Uh, this game, look at it. It's, it's a game of greenhouses, and I was so excited to play it. This is from Uwe Rosenberg, designer of such classics as Agricola, Feast for Odin. Uh, oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. That's nuts. Past Patchwork. Yeah, how about that? That's a game. I'm going to... Bonanza, yeah, of New course. Great, useful Nusfjord, that's what I wrote down on my notes, I, I can not find my notes. What's the News... little fish, I want to eat them. Uh, yes, yeah, so Rakeholt is a game where... Matt, I'm going to get you really excited now, right? Uh, so you are an Icelandic person, <laughs> and in Iceland you have loads of geothermal energy. I know. Which means you can grow whatever vegetables you want, but you need to have the geothermal greenhouses first. So what if I were to tell you you had three workers in a game of Rakeholt, and you could send them to do... Anything you wanted. Anything? Mmm. What if you wanted, like, a tomato? What you if can... I want cauliflower? Ooh. Cali- mm. Cauliflower might be a bit out of your league to begin with, honestly. <laughs> That's not a joke. Uh, carrots in... <laughs> 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 I mean... Being uh, told that cauliflower is out of my league is one of the most offensive things anyone's ever said. to Ray Colt has the most fabulous arbitrary uh, ranking of vegetables, whereby, like, tomatoes, yeah, tomatoes, dime a dozen, not interested. Lettuces? No, you're talking. Cauliflower. Whoa. No, I think it's mushrooms. Then cauliflower. And uh, I believe it's called a carrot. If you what, d- the carrot is the hardest thing? Yes, the carrot is the hardest thing to grow. I, I kind of agree, but I kind of agreed with some of that scale, actually. Yeah, yeah, like lettuce and cauliflower. I think cauliflower be. is superior to tomatoes and lettuce. Which In is, your extensive experience. But I think lettuce is the worst. Uh, lettuce us no time let's definitely not. Welcome to the salad podcast. Nope. (laughs) Anyway, so let's imagine. So you send your worker, you've got your tomato, right? That's exciting. It's a wooden tomato that comes in a little cardboard box. It's lovely. Um, Then let's say you send another worker, and now you've got a greenhouse. Then what if you sent your third and final worker of the turn? Matt, are you ready? What if you sent him to plant your tomato? Ooh. So now what happens is greenhouses come in like um, uh, all shapes and sizes. You can get the big greenhouse, which has like six slots for things. Now what you do if you plant, um, you take your tomato, your little wooden tomato, Uh you put it into that greenhouse with six slots. Keep talking. And then you put another tomato in every single other slot in the greenhouse. So you now have six tomatoes, but they're in your greenhouse, they're growing. And then every turn you get to pluck one tomato off of the greenhouse, right? Interest. And that's, yeah, it's basically... It's, it's tomato interest. And I believe it's called farming. I'm not sure. <laughs> but no, honestly, this, this is just such a fabulous pitch. And the thing that uh, powers Rakehold, really, is that uh, to progress up the scoring track, you need to cash in vegetables. So initially, the first thing is, like, you have to pay a tomato, then a lettuce, then a mm, mushroom, then so on. But then eventually, once you've paid all five kinds of vegetables, then you have to pay two tomatoes to advance, then two lettuces. So this is how you actually win the game. But what's super exciting is... Um, there's so many, it's kind of that Feast for Odin thing where the board has tons of worker placement spaces, and they're all a little bit different. So it might be like, plant, then harvest twice, or get a tomato and a lettuce, or get a greenhouse that's big, or get a, like a greenhouse and a tomato, but the greenhouse is a random mm. greenhouse, don't know what you're going to get. Or hunt for wild tomatoes. Yes, with a spear and a bow, <laughs> bow and arrow. Um, it's not an ideal use of a turn, but if you're really stuck... It's interesting in that it gives you a great deal of control over your engine, whereby you might, uh, a player might say... Um, I have a ton of greenhouses and just fill them with tons of vegetables. Another player might acquire the cards that are like special things like a GSM or a heat pump or a bag of mixed seeds. I posted about that on our Instagram because I was so excited to get my bag of mixed seeds which lets you fill a greenhouse with every kind of vegetable. Imagine! Um, this is like a, a a potentially a real vortex for us because it overlaps the two things that we will both talk about for infinity food and plants <laughs> like we got to be careful uh yes uh I so long story short I was so excited to play Ray it looks gorgeous uh it gives you a lot of flexibility it's got a really nice thing at the end where um you can also sell your greenhouses to panically get the final vegetables. So there's a thing where like, in the final turns of the game, you can just sell your entire greenhouse to advance up the scoring track. But again, worker placement, so which player does that? What turn do you do it? Do you sell your greenhouse like halfway through the game? That sounds mad, but then you definitely get the space. It's, like, it's a very curious puzzle, and it's very interesting, and it's beautiful. There were just a couple of things that held it back from me fully being able to recommend it, and a lot of that really was, and this is my main criticism of it, uh, you know our classic question of where does the game reside? Yes. So in Red Cult, you've got your greenhouses, you've got vegetables, you've got the worker placement, that's all awesome, but so much of the game is spent staring at, around the edge of the board, these little tables that tell you what you need. And so much of the puzzle is like, okay, to advance this turn, I need to cash in Four tomatoes, then four lettuce, then four mushrooms, then something. And you're, you're just staring at that scoring track trying to work out if you can get the right combination of vegetables. Mm. And collecting veggie combos is not what's fun about the game. What's fun about the game is planting, harvesting, building an empire, developing. Not then taking those tomatoes you harvested and just throwing them into the mouths of some tourists who aren't even going to appreciate them. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that and the fact that as a worker placement game there were so many spaces that, like Feast for and you weren't really clashing. But in a game as simple as this, I needed a bit of that clashing, needed a bit of that excitement. So yeah, yeah. Not, not, not necessarily one I'd recommend, but it's the one I had a good time with. You, you looked like you were going to say something. I was You'd- just trying to work out if there was anything in Clash of the Titans, to, but then working out a way of like, merging the word tomatoes and Titans, and I decided there wasn't. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Should we move on to maybe the most exciting uh, Euro game we, to- we played recently? Let's move on to... Captains of the, of the Gulf. Gulf. Crime busters of the Sea. Did you have Sharky and George in America? Sharky no. and George was a French TV show which was dubbed for us. Okay. Um, it was really quite a low budget um, TV show for kids, about two, I think it was a, a little fish, a clownfish and a shark, I think. He was called Sharky. George was like a clownfish, I think. Um, maybe it wasn't, maybe. Anyway, they were like detectives uh, in the sea, and uh, it had a great theme tune. You might think that there's not much need for detectives under the sea, but if I learned anything from Sharky and George... its constant crime. Rife with crime. Fish are up to no good. And uh, Captains of the Gulf, if you believe that fish need to be punished, is a game about punishing fish. <laughs> Matt, do you want to walk people through Captains of the Gulf? Captains of the Gulf is a game with a tiny prawn on the box, and you have to look at the back of the box to realise it's about Mexico and you, you only really find it's that It's the out. Gulf of Mexico. Yeah, it's the Gulf of Mexico, because um, for those of you who are able to see it, it's, it's a, the board is gigantic, it's absolutely huge. Uh, you can look at pictures of it, but then you see it in real life and you go, that is at least twice as big as I expected. If you're watching this on the, the large screens in this auditorium, <laughs> that is actual size. <laughs> Uh, should we talk about the production first and get it out of the way so we can yeah, actually, Yeah, the like... production is, is very poor. Uh, it's in- incredibly weak. And also, not only is it, like, just very, very low-quality art, it doesn't ev- evoke the idea of the Gulf of Mexico in any way, shape, or form. It's no, it looks more like, like Bristol. It, no, it looks like um, a small sort of puddle that the camera has zoomed in on. Yes. To an incredible extent. Um, that we really need to be careful when we, when we criticise this, because... Um, Captain's the Gulf as a piece of game design work by the designer. I we both really liked it, and there's a ton of interesting stuff happening here. Um, As a work from Spielworks, the actual uh, sort of producers of the game. I was frustrated by the manual, we were frustrated by the art. Uh-huh. The one thing they did do, but this is not necessarily a positive, is that all the quality of the components is extremely high. The yes. cards are fantastic quality. The card stock of the board is beautiful. Yes. Um, you get massive reference sheets, but this is this sums it all up. You get a huge piece of card that is each, for each player that is your reference sheet. It's A4. Double, it's A4 and does not have the information you want on it. It's single-sided as well. Could have been double-sided A5. It's nuts. And the manual, and this never happens, but like... It's been so long since I've read a manual that teaches you stuff in the wrong order. Yes. Where it like explains a system to you, and you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like a, like your drunk friend, like trying to express something, and you're like, and even You the... didn't tell the beginning of this story. <laughs> and it's it's not just poor art. It's it's poor UI. It's what well, bad graphic design. Like there's a system in it whereby like there are certain actions you can do using cubes because you know it's a board game. And uh, <laughs> you, but these actions they have like little bits of rope around them in a square, and you're like, Oh, cool. Like anything with this rope around the edge in a square is as a special action that can be activated with this. But then you've got like other stuff on the board that has a rope around it. that isn't an action. You're just mm. like, what is going on? Why would you do that? Also, the main board, like they were so in love with this idea of using a ship's wheel for the Rondell action selector and then little life uh, sort of life rings for um for like based on player count. It's like they they're not entirely expressive of what they're supposed to be. It's like the artist had this idea and was definitely gonna do it. Based- Never mind like the fact that the first draft didn't. Look great, but I wanted to get that out of the way because. I like the wheel. I like the wheel. Okay. I thought you were going to say, like, we've got to be careful about what we say about the art in this game because it's designed by a fish. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, listen. And it that going fish did very well. No, uh, no, I just wanted to put all that to one side because I know the designer is a fan of Shut Ups Are Down, and yep. I want to say that as a design, I thought Captains of the Gulf was fascinating and awesome. Yeah, I really liked it. Like, it was really frustrating to learn. Um, It was very frustrating having to, like, we were probably head in the manual for the first 45 minutes because the the reference card is just, like, bin fodder. All the stuff you need to know is just not on it. Um, But the way it actually plays is fascinating. Like, effectively, you have these different ports, and each port uh, wants one of the three types of fish, which are clams, prawns, and crabs. Which are, I think, the three kinds of fish the in the sea. The three kinds of fish available in the sea. Yeah. Everything else is kind of like a, a variant, like a shiny Pokemon. Um, <laughs> and each of those docks, they basically will give you slightly more money for going there and selling them. And we things, should also stress, you run a fishing boat in yeah, the you, sea. you're a fisherman. You've got a boat, or a fisher lady. I don't know what, what's going on. But effectively, you've got pools of the three types of fish in the sea. You go and you do some fishing, and then you take them to the best port. But, oh no, you've you've, you've got... No fuel, which means getting around the sea is a nightmare. Sometimes Quite frequently, in fact, you have to be towed back to port because you've run out of fuel. Incredible. Like Waving a, and going, hello, I'm sorry, I've done it again. A full half of the game for me was spent being towed, which I would feel like couldn't have been profitable, but was. I fondly remember the point where I was like, he was like, well, you, you can't do that, Matt. I'm like, why not? I'm, I'm paying to be towed. It's like, yeah, you can only be paid to be towed back to a port. You can't get someone pay someone to tow you out to sea to do more fishing. <laughs> and i was like oh yeah i love the idea of being like help look we can just go over there there's some crabs <laughs> um, uh, so uh on the board when you're playing um you put a load of tokens representing prawns which i think i don't know if the word prawn is used that much in america you guys call them shrimp obviously shrimp um but we're gonna call them prawns because that's a much funnier word um so you you seed the board initially with prawns and and clams and crabs, and that's exciting because then you have to sail out, you spend oil fishing, that's all exciting, but it has this fabulous mechanic where if you take, if you take a fish, you, you replace it and put it in your boat. And your boat, by the way, has room for two prawns when you start the game. But don't worry, because you can upgrade it to hold four prawns. Um, anyway, uh, but, so if you take a prawn or a clam or whatever, you then replace it on the board with a minus. And at the end of a turn, you remove one mark mi- or if there's one minus in a space, you flip it to a plus. And the turn after that, the plus turns into more fish. So, what that means is that if you fish like a little bit and sustainably, you actually, you know, repopulate the gulf with like more fish, and that's great. However, <laughs> let's imagine hypothetically that there's like some really valuable crabs outside of a port and you take them all. Well, then you have multiple minuses, which means the crabs will take like four or five turns to repopulate. So in those four or five turns, maybe you get more fish. And this is fine, because there's loads more fish. It's literally loads more fish in the sea. What they don't tell you about that catchphrase is sometimes the fish do actually run out of the sea. And so suddenly you've got this Euro game where you can fully depopulate the board based on how you play, based on uh, sort of, like, weird cards that can come up. Which means, and I love this, because how you actually win caps in the Gulf mm. is money in pockets. So while there is... so much of the game is upgrading your ship with more boxes, with crew, with gear, like, buying a... T- you can have an engineer, and then later, if you want, you can buy them a toolbox. Which implies, like, <laughs> they're in your engine room with bare I hands. I with my hands! Don't <laughs> no, you worry, boss! <laughs> fixing pipes. Um, there's so many upgrades you can get. You can get, like, sonars and, and all kinds of nonsense. Um, but... But that money that goes into your boat isn't counted at the end of the game, and this is my favourite, yeah, favourite, favourite thing. Very cool. So when you buy an upgrade, you're like, "Will this get me more money?" Which me, and if the fish, the sea starts running out of fish, then you just don't I definitely right your boat. at the end had had a, had a turn where I just sort of like rocked out that they came back with my boat which had a new engine and like a massive fuel tank and I'm like ready to get some fish and it's like there are no fish <laughs> and it's like, oh no when are the fish coming back the next turn is the last round there might be some fish over there but maybe not yep <laughs> and it's like oh. yep, yeah, it's yeah. lovely so, um yeah knowing when to like boost it up and when to like oh uh, yeah and it's it's really interesting and it's 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 kind of a shame that the one thing that we thought would be awesome about this game that we kind of felt wasn't there was this idea of having like some sort of localization, of having it being like, Um, This is my kind of area of the sea, and you can still go into other people's, but you all just end up moving around the sea randomly and going back to different ports and and that's cool that you're sharing all the space, but it would have been really interesting to have more of a sense of like, well, I'm just going to carefully farm the fish around here, but then if someone spends a bunch of money on a big boat with a big engine and just zooms over to where you are and eats them all up, then that's a problem. Yeah, the idea that everyone might have a home port would be cool, or like, I don't know, some kind of private seaboard. So... It's like, you've got the interesting question of, do I fish my own waters sustainably, which will pay off way more later, or do I take all the crabs out now? <laughs> and then yeah. also the sad thing of like, some, like, because of the way the pluses and minus tokens for repopulation work, there was a really sad thing where a space was about to repopulate and it had like one crab left. Or like, uh, you know, I imagine it as like two crabs that were going to breed and going to have crab kids. But then just before it repopulated, you were like, okay, I'm just gonna actually have that. <laughs> and then you sort of hoisted the crab away from its lover and. And even though it was about to be populated, my strategy was counting on that, and because one crab wasn't that valuable to you anyway, you just kind of did it on a whim, and then it's like, okay, now there's no more crab babies coming, but, which was actually both, it was thematic, it was mechanically interesting, it's not necessarily explored as much as I would have liked. No, it's it's a really cool idea that that, that like just would it could have been explored a little bit more, and it would have been great. But it, it's it's kind of like it's the idea of like the fish, the way they repopulate, and the way that kind of has a weird tidal thing of where they repopulate. It's all very cool, but um, it did end up, you know, because it's a board game. That I went and just stole a crab because I knew that it would stop repopulating the sea, and it's kind of like. That didn't feel very fishermany. No, <laughs> like being like, I will take this tiny crab and sell it for three pounds. And now there are no more fish. <laughs> it's like, what, am I a fisherman? Am I am I a bad fisherman? Yeah, I don't know. Yes, like. you literally, yeah, you were in that game because I won. Uh, yeah, I think there was a point where I was, unironically, was like, well, I guess I'll go back to Morgan City with my bad prawns. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's lovely because it's. So many Euro games are just about building up and up and up and up, and this had real peaks and troughs, really nice flow, very interesting. So yeah, while we were maybe not as hot on uh, Captains of the Gulf and Heaven and Ale as we could have been... They're both worth the play. They're both absolutely worth the play, and hey, you know what? Good board games tend to get new additions, and I would definitely be interested in uh, maybe even recommending a new edition of uh, Captains of the Gulf or Heaven and Ale. Mm. Uh, but moving on, we have a game that I'm really excited to talk about. We played Trap Words by Czech Games Edition. We've only played this once, so this is really your first impressions. Um, but Trap Words is a word-based party game for four to eight players, so it's check games very much going after that same Codenames market. Um, and if you've uh, played Codenames and maybe also really enjoyed Decrypto, which we love and was just in Matt's mm. Christmas Games feature that went up today. Oh, did it? Is yes. it Friday? Yes. What what day did you think it was? I don't know, man. I've been drinking a lot of this beef coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So Trap Words is, I think, I would like to own code names and a crypto and Trap Words. I think I really like Trap Words. So the way it works is you have two teams of players who, uh, on each round, each team is given a word that you know the other team is going to guess. So it's like celebrities. So for example, let's say I'm on another team from Matt. Um, I take a thing and I know that Matt is going to be trying to get his team to guess the word goblin. And excellently, you can, based on how you set up the game, you can either use all fantasy words, which fit the sort of faux fantasy theme of the game, so you can have your friends guess like goblin, thief, and all that stuff. Or if you're playing with, you know, people who uh, think that stuff is for nerds, you can just make one tiny tweak, and suddenly all the words become like... Normal words. Mortgage. Yeah. (laughs) Broker. (laughs) Uh, So, um... Two things we will never interact advisor. with. Independent <laughs> advisor. Yeah. So uh, let's say I know that Matt is going to um, try and get the word mortgage, for example. I then know that. And let's say he's on level four of the game. I then, before Matt is going to get his team to try and get the word mortgage in the style of celebrity, which is like, okay, it's a loan you get to pay for a house, which is... What, well, you can do that? <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. Work with me here. That doesn't sound sustainable in the long term. Matt, it's... And also, the bank to usually go, young couples usually get them. And Surely there's going to be some sort of. Problem okay, with this. you know what? Screw you. If Matt was playing ball, he would say the word mortgage there, and I would go, hooray, that's correct. Yeah, I would have done. But, but it's being a knob. Can't swear. That's, that's a rude, rude not, word in England. It's not that rude. Uh, okay, so. Um, but if I knew Matt was going to try and get his team to guess the word mortgage, then I would write down, and he's on level four, four trap words. So I would write down, like, house, bank, Loan, whatever. Then can we do a, mm. uh, a version of the same? Matt, go, and then you flip the sand timer. Do you because want he's like, a place to live permanently? Can't afford. What? Like a like a dreams? Like a. So then the thing is, is that Matt is trying. Matt does not know what the trap words are. That is the key thing. But so if know. he says one, then I get to go. Argh! Yeah, like oh, I'll keep going. A house a house, and then I would go, oh, you don't have to do that, but that's what <laughs> we enjoyed doing, because we're arseholes. <laughs> <laughs> just going, at people, and then laughing. It's really fun. Uh, also, like, I was really good at this. Yes, yeah. it was lovely. There was a couple of, uh, of examples and rounds I wanted to share. Did you have a story yeah. you wanted to share? Well, I think our favourite was the fact that we had a round, and we were, we were ahead, we were already winning, and uh, I think the, the way we had to do the, cl- the clue was crowbar. And we'd all gone for sensible things like break... Uh, uh, force um, but we had like a word left over because we had like five and I was like let's just put put in half put in half like just because I reckon we knew the guy who was doing it and I was like Let's put that one in. Literally, the first thing he said was Half-Life. We were just like, "Ah!" <laughs> if you're not aware, Half-Life is a video game where the protagonist has a crowbar. So he thought he was being clever. It's it's like, it's basically, it's not really a word game. And I think that's why I, I wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, because we've been playing a lot of word games recently. And I think sometimes, especially we played Spell Smashers recently, which is like, hey, it's just a word game, but with a fancy rapper. And I just find it quite boring, but I'm not that into fancy rappers. So mm. when I was like, it's another fancy rapper, I keep thinking, of loud like fancy rap music but this, not <laughs> um, I'm sure it exists I don't want to know about it uh, but, but basically I thought mm, okay but it's psyops the game you you're literally you're looking at this person and you're not just being like oh what words are associated with this you're like how are they gonna how would this person try and convey to these people this word was avoiding because yes. it's, it's like it's wheels within wheels because obviously if mortgage you want to say house And then, but then, like, maybe they're not going to even say that anyway, because they think that's going to be... You can go several Yomi layers deep, which is why I instantly found myself, like, fascinated by it. Because, obviously, if you had to get goblin, the obvious chat words would be, like, you know, orc or monster, but then you know the other team is green, great, yeah. But you know the other team is going to assume that those words are on the thing and try and avoid them anyway. So instantly, they're like, well, let's go deeper. (laughs) Like, inception. Like, (laughs) what would I say? I might say, like, imp, dungeon, or, like, Mm. imp is, like, or, yeah. It, and so you can try and catch people out, but then, like, also the way it works with your head was tricky. I had to make my team guess wolf. And I was speaking very slowly and very considered, and you're under real pressure because there is a little um, sound yeah, time. you really screwed it up. Yeah, it was fabulous. I, I enjoyed screwing it up, though, and that's a sign that I really like the game. I, I, but I said, the first thing I said, speaking slowly and carefully and pressured, I went, okay, so the word I guess was wolf, right? So I start saying, okay, in the. Arctic, because in my head wolves came like wolves could exist in the Arctic, and then I'm like penguin. (laughs) Uh... But but, but, what I found interesting there is because I was speaking so slowly and I was so nervous, I didn't feel permission to uh, then say like oh no 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 scratch what I just said, which would have been the sensible thing to do. But that sounded like so many words, and I was trying to avoid words <laughs> that I didn't feel permission to correct myself. Mm. So I just kind of kept digging myself deeper into a hole. Yeah, and it's a double-sided thing as well. If it's not, you're not in trouble just if the person giving the clue says the words. If the person guessing says one of the words, so if you if you yes. give them a clue but it's not quite no, right actually, enough, that I thought that was true, but it's not. There is a oh, ignore that. There is, no, but there are spe- all <laughs> kinds of special curse cards in the game, which um, give the team that is ahead a special penalty. Like I think there's one called petrification, which is and everyone knows this, but as soon as your team guesses one word, the clue giver freezes. And just has to like that code could have, that curse card could have been when your team guesses one word, you have to stop speaking. But it's Czech Games Edition. They often put out some really fun stuff, and sure enough, it's like, no, you don't just stop speaking, you have to freeze in blaze. Like you've been petrified. It's very cute. And then at the end of the game, the finale is always a boss monster, and the boss monster is just a special condition you have. Yeah, uh, it's, it's wonderful, especially though, when you find yourself very carefully speaking slowly, trying to think carefully about what words you use, whilst just having people staring at you. <laughs> It's, it's but also, the whole other team is staring at you because they're so desperate for you to say one of the words they've written down. The only thing I really didn't like, really, was the art and the theme. If I'm, if I'm honest, like I didn't. It kind of has a kind of uh, chibi anime sort of look to it, like mm. adventure heroes, and I don't. Uh, that's just purely personal preference. Uh, I, it's not for me. I actually um, quite liked it. I totally see why yeah. it's not for you, but I, I really liked the. Um, yes, it was chibi fantasy, but it was all done quite well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not bad art. I just, I just don't like it. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so should we move on to our final game before we move on to the mailbag? Yep. Or- Pressing a button. It's between two castles of the financially uh, <laughs> good King Ludwig financially good. Are you trying are you playing tramp <laughs> words in your for head Senate. again? <laughs> <laughs> uh so um, between two castles of Mad King Ludwig, if you'd like which is Ludwig, but pronounced Vig, I think. Um, is a weird thing. It's a hybrid of two games. It is hy- it's also two different game companies working together. So Already, I thought this was fabulous. Oh no, why did I drink so much Pepsi? Because... Why did you drink so much Pepsi? I got excited! (laughs) Okay, thanks everybody. Uh, (laughs) I thought you were taking it away from me. Um, So, this is a combination of a game called Between Two Cities, which I played and really quite liked, but not that much. Uh, We talked about it on our podcast um, a while back where it's got the most fabulous setup for any game ever, where you sit in a circle, requires at least three people, and everyone is building a city like in the manner of, um, I don't know if you've heard of board games, but you have to build a city on like, yeah, they're interesting. Um, but you're, you, every player is responsible for two cities, each of which is placed between them and the player sat to their left and right. And each turn you add a tile to eat to the city on your left and right, but which tile and where, and it's kind of like Suburbia or uh, other city building games where, like for example, in Between Two Cities, if you had like a load of factories, that was great, but if you had a factory next to a house, that was bad, all that stuff. Um, but your score was the worst of the two towns you've got, which is a fabulous mechanic. And also because you, there's a weird social thing I really enjoyed of like looking at your partner and being like, where do you think this should go? And then your other partner on other side is like, essentially paging you and you're like, oh sorry, one second, and you turn. But you don't know what's happening beyond the person to your right like right, it's, it's it's a completely fascinating thing, and I absolutely recommend people play Between Two Cities or this. So that's Between Two Cities, Between Two Castles of Mad King Ludwig. Is that combined with the Castles of Mad King Ludwig? Is that the name of the game? I've lo- the words yeah, have lost I'm all meaning. Sure. Yeah, great. So now again, you're placing squares, but in this game there are a preposterous number of tiles and art assets. Like you like, wouldn't put the mushroom cellar next to the bedroom. Yeah, it's literally that. Um, but there are every single tile in the game is unique. All of them have beautiful art, and like we played a four-player game of it and saw like barely a third of what was in the game. Like it's unbelievably generous, and that's great because so much of the game is making the most of the of the reality of the castles of Mad King Ludwig. Of like, oh, I'll have my opera cave next to the spy room. I mean, it exaggerates the actual history of the thing, but yeah, like I had. Uh, and the castles kind of tell stories. I had one castle which had like a kittenery, like where you have kittens, yep. and then a pigsty where you got pigs. We got a stables, and it was like this lovely animal this castle. A lot of animals. Yeah. And then I happened to change the tenor of that castle a bit by adding a taxidermy room. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's hard to say goodbye. <laughs> uh. Um, yep, the, my friends made a castle which... The pigs especially, yeah. <laughs> my friends made a castle which had they had a room which got points for every room that was below it. So their castle was like basically one long massive tower with like a bungalow <laughs> on the ground floor um, and a little tower on top of it. Um, but as, as much as I love the idea and as much as the art's amazing like, and as a concept, oh, it's just beautiful. Um, but I didn't get along with it as much as I... Wanted to, for the same reason I didn't get along with Between Two Cities, and actually, I think it's a game, I think I might like Between Two Cities more, because this exacerbates my main problem with it, which is to play well, and I want to play it well, um, you have to recalculate the value of each castle. And there's not like, tracker. So every single room has a scoring multiplier. And if you look at a picture of the game, ah. you can see... Yeah, you immediately see the problem, right? Yeah. So like one like you, there's a bathroom, and the bathroom might be like, okay, get one point for every bedroom adjacent to it, and the eight spaces around it, or like um, a garden, that like gets a point that's for every I don't know other garden that it's connected to. But then, when you have like a castle with 20 tiles, the score—like actually scoring your castle at the end—is a process of like three or four minutes. Yeah. And so, but you have to do it as you go. You—if you wanted to play well, you should yeah. kind of do it as you go. But that's so insane and bad and awful that you would never do that. So instead, you kind of go with your gut. So you sort of just build castles with your gut, and then you find out that that one to the left of yours is an abomination and terrible, <laughs> and you've lost. But that's—and that's fine. But it's kind of an unsatisfying ending. Also, because they've got so many tiles in the game, the tiles are already small. So squinting at the text on the tiles wasn't a great experience for me, and it's just a bugbear of mine that I hate squinting at board games. Like, if, I want to play board games in good light, and I don't want the text to be too small. But yeah, I really wanted to like it, but ultimately just... And again, you should absolutely give it a go, because there were some whoops in the audience when I mentioned we were reviewing this, like... or mentioned that we were talking about it, because it's a fascinating thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, and if I would definitely try this, or Between Two Cities, um, or even just Castles of Mad, Mad King Ludwig, because while they're not for us, they're, like, they're all lovely, lovely ideas. Mm. 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 Should we move on to our mailbag? Yep. Should we wrap this fella up? Yeah. This is where the mailbag theme will go in the podcast. Ooh. Put your hand in a my mailbag. mailbag. Me a letter. We have an actual mailbag question, uh, but before that, I just wanted to put something to rest. Because uh, Matt and I were going to have an... We started having an argument about this, then immediately we are like, no, nah, let's have this argument on the podcast. <laughs> so, um... I've sort of become aware within sort of like board game hobbyist circles. Uh, People in the audience might not know this that a piece of slang has developed, and uh, it's a very nice piece of slang. It's not that Mm. you. I might teach you a board game. If I'm talking to Matt, I'm talking about my experience of like my friend uh, Millicent taught me a board game. I might say like, oh, and, and she did a good job of it. I might say, oh, the teach was good. The teach. Used as a noun. Hands up if you've heard that phrase or seen it on board game seconds. About five people in the audience. Yeah, you were like, oh, there's this thing, like, cool thing I heard. It's like you'd be like, oh, how's the teach? You'd be like, yeah, it's not bad. And you mm. were like, you were like, told me about it. You're like, it's pretty cool. I was like, <laughs> well, well, I mean, okay, hang on, hang on. Don't, don't throw me under the bus that fast. I, I don't think it's pretty cool. I think it might be kind of. You cool. liked it. You were like, this is cool. I don't know. Yeah. You're like, how's the teach? Yeah, it's pretty good. I think it's really lame. <laughs> I'm just gonna dim my. Uh, my donkey to my colours there. That's not a line. <laughs> I think it just it's really like dad. Dad's talking about cars. It, it, when somebody says, how's the teach? Like oh, like, oh, the teach on that game's pretty good. I imagine uh, somebody in their 50s putting their hands on their hips and going, yeah, pretty rough teach on that one, actually. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, okay. it's a real number. You're not wrong. But what it does do is it puts more of a um, focus on the idea that teaching a game can be good or bad. That's like, true. I would be uncomfortable saying like they were bad at teaching it or they were good at teaching it, but that word existing, because language is complicated and weird, the fact that that word exists makes me think about people teaching board games like as a craft. It enables me to separate the act of someone teaching the board game from the game itself and then consider the teach versus yeah. the game. <laughs> I mean, you could just say teaching it is the thing. But, but you don't. We don't really... You say teaching it is hard versus the teach is hard. It's the same, it's basically like one more, one less syllable. Yeah, okay, mathematics... <laughs> You're right on a mathematical level, but you know what I mean? Like we don't, but we don't say that formal sentence. But it... No, well, sometimes you do though. Sometimes you say it's really hard to teach. It's hard, it's but hard you, to But teach. if you were talking of math Versus the you... teach. <laughs> Pretty rough teach on that one. I yeah, had a exactly. real rough time. But the two sentences you just used. Don't even talk to me about the teach on this. Oof. I'll be here all night. It just, I don't know, it's its like... It just seems like the opposite of what we stand for. It's like creating like pointless terminology and slang, like to make things slightly more obscure, and like, I think whenever you invent something like that needs to be explained, what, you, like, what do you, like... But then, it doesn't need to be explained, as soon as kind of I heard does, someone use like, it, I well, got. Well, because if, if, if someone like, says the teacher, is, uh, the teacher on this is rough, you're like, no, no, it's not that, it's you, the teach refers to someone's act of teaching the game. Yeah. It sections off that part of the board game evening, and it's like, yeah, uh, it's like, what was it like playing, uh, I don't know, like, uh, Captain's of the Gulf? And you'd be like, oh, the game was good, Teach was a little rough because, <laughs> okay, you know what, <laughs> hearing myself say it, I, uh, I get your point, and we should move on. I'm glad we did this. It's important we have these, these conversations on a stage in front of hundreds of people. Yeah, we're, we're not going to be doing this again. Uh, our actual mailbag question comes from John Price. Thank you very much for writing in, John. And John writes, For each of you, if you could create any Shut Up and Sit Down spin-off company or product, what would it be? Uh, Some examples to get you going, a Shut Up and Sit Down board game cafe or a line of board game scented candles with pairings such as Power Grid, Ozone and Oligarchs, (laughs) Ex Libris, Aristotle and Austerity, Pandemic, Dysentery and Despair. (laughs) Obviously all candles include the signature undertone of lifelong existential dread. All the best for the future fellows, John Price. Thanks, John. I had an idea for what my spin-off project would be. What, a spin-off like project project? So, yeah, well, not like a spin-off shut up is down business. What if there was a hotline designers could call just to double-check the theme of their board game wasn't boring <laughs> before going to print? So like, they call up, they're like, oh, man, I want to do like a sci-fi world. It's got like planets. Yeah. Some of them are like lava planets, and I'd be like, I'm just going to stop you there, <laughs> and then. I, but you know, the, the line would be like a pound a minute, so it works Whoa, out okay. That, that's like five pounds, in five minutes. Yeah, that's crazy. But within five minutes, I bet I could improve your board game theme. Like sometimes it's so simple, and this is what I was thinking about. Right, the way that um, we like Flam Rouge's theme. Despite the fact that bicycle racing is kind of boring, because it's not bicycle racing, it's 1920s bicycle racing. Mm. So it's handlebar moustaches and silliness, and it's less competitive and less aggressive and. Less drugs, probably. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, alcohol is a drug, so that's not true. We this up. Yeah. Those guys were pissed. Yeah. Uh, uh, drunk as anything. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's not, like, we look at Twilight Imperium a lot. Like the fact that Twilight Imperium just has animals, mm. like really, that, that gives so much to it. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'm and a turtle, I'm a lion. Or like Food Chain Magnate. It's not just about food chains, it's food chains in the 50s. Yes. You know, yes. like all of this, all of it's this. A, yeah, call. it's like, it's, it's a kind of a, an improv thing, isn't it? Like, yes and, like, well, come on, what is it? Like, don't just be like, orcs. Like, yeah. And they're on bicycles. <laughs> 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 I'd play that's a game about easy. orc bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my idea. Did you have an idea for a Shut Up It's down spin-off business? Uh... Well, there's been a couple of things I've been thinking about a little bit. Um, actually you sound like you're going to like fire me or if i if i could just have some music actually that would be <laughs> <laughs> what is happening i've uh, lost my my powerpoint oh no <laughs> <laughs> what did you say the software was called again? PowerPoint. Right, this is Power- Microsoft PowerPoint. <laughs> I've got a problem. Do, 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 do. Hey, this is great. You know Have we what? We've got time for a minute for me to go backstage. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we got, right. we got this room for like 40 minutes. How's everybody doing? <laughs> this is uh, not going to be on the recording, so that's nice. If anyone wants to swear now, that's. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> this is great. Uh, I can go uh, I can go off topic a bit. Matt and I have been playing some Key Forge the last couple of days. Uh, yeah, it's cool. I'll tease that like, it's going to be our next big review. It's going to be our blowout year-end review, so you guys can expect like uh, a really cool review. It's going to be extra cool because Matt and I disagree on it really strongly. Um, that's going to be awesome. We're really going to make fun of each other. Uh, and I'm going to show why I'm right. How do, show of hands, right? So I already I get stuck on this. So Keyforge's thing, I don't know if you guys are aware of the universe, but it's like the idea. <laughs> Sorry. It's just I'm just cracking up because I've been talking for five minutes. Man, I <laughs> joked on the way here that, like, if, one, say again? <laughs> Bad teach. Maybe this has to stay in the podcast. This is, <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I, I, I don't oh, we've got a, a screen up, that's good. Um, so I don't know how people feel about this, but the world of Keyforge is the idea that like six different worlds have crashed together, which basically means there's six different art styles. So you have like Martians from like a 1940s action comic. Um, With the big green heads, and you've got like sci fi robots that look like they fell out of Destiny by Bungie, the video game. Then you've got like orcs that sort of came from Magic the Gathering, but there's like rockets and guns. And then you've got like some uh, monkeys that live in a forest. And it really bums me out that you've got these six worlds crashed together. So, show of hands if you like that. Like a few people. Show of hands if you think it's kind of a cop out and they should have just made a world that they really could put there. A few more people. Yeah, no, a lot of people. Yeah, good, right. Hey, Dennis. How's it going? (laughs) How's it going, man? So I, I thought what I was about, I would just go for a wee. So. Yeah. I can't tell if you're, you're not joking. Actually. I'm not joking, no. <laughs> I was like, it's been a while. They're not going to miss me for like nine, 10 seconds. It's really funny, earlier today, because I've been feeling a bit under the weather, like cold and stuff. And uh, Quinze was like, if we had to a, if you had to do a podcast on your own, would you do it? <laughs> and yet you were like, I don't know. And it's like, I was like, oh, yeah, Quinze was like, I don't know if I'd be able to do it on my own. And I've left him on, my, on his own for like. I actually really enjoyed that. These guys kept me great company. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, everybody. Nice. So now let's go back to the premise of Matt. You, oh, Quinn. Matt, have you Matt. Any... But what, what business? What spin-off business would you create? Oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it much. <laughs> 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 but I guess, I guess if I could have do, some music, do we have some music. Yet? <laughs> Maybe I can't. Maybe I've had my one shot of music. <laughs> what if you had one day to change the world? What would you dream? I'd like to just take a few minutes here. Some people dream of a better life, some people dream of a better world, or a bigger world, with up to 25% more things inside of it. I choose to dream even bigger still than that, with an idea that could not only work, make the world better and bigger, but also expand people's minds, opening up new possibilities about what you can dream, about dreaming of, today, tomorrow, and for the rest of the future. (laughs) Innovation. It's a word we don't hear very often in the world of board games. Where are all the new ideas? Without new ideas, the juices in our brains lose the power that they have to feed the thirst of imagination. Today, I have a product for you that won't just change your life, it won't just improve your life, it will alter the very fabric of your perception of reality to a point at which new ideas will uncontrollably enter your brain. <laughs> you'll invent, you sir, you'll invent a new kind of flying car. You'll cure a bad disease. And the, 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 you'll in, you'll invent a bad disease by accident, but don't <laughs> worry because this woman over here is going to cure it and immediately after you, you invent the bad disease by accident, you'll, you'll, you'll invent a brand new type of donut, And when you get tried at The Hague for war crimes, it will all kind of overall shake out. <laughs> it's gonna be... So I'd like to ask all of you today to be open-minded, uh, to give me five minutes of your time. You give me five minutes of your time, and I'll give you five minutes of a life that you never dreamed could be that the life that you have. <laughs> Together, we can dream the largest dreams and make the world a bigger place. Okay, so, you can, you can stop the, the inspirational music now, I'm going to go straight to the business press. Thanks guys, thanks. I'd like to introduce you to the Shut Up and Sit Down Spatch Tower. It's a new paradigm, paradigm in merchandise today. Uh, first of all, business growth. Um, We're talking like projected business growth, current business growth, uh, this year, next year. No joke, I had a slide like this in that presentation I gave to like (laughs) 11-year-olds. And my wife told me, you should take that out. (laughs) Yeah, 10, 11-year-olds aren't so interesting graphs. Interesting thing about Microsoft PowerPoint, um, I I couldn't work out how to change any of the values or numbers. (laughs) I could insert a graph into it, but then when I tried to change anything, it opened up Excel and I saw the numbers and I was like, oh, wicked. But then the numbers disappeared for another picture of the graph within Excel. So this actually isn't representative of business growth. It's just the graph. <laughs> but needless to say, the business, this business, it's a growing. Now, obviously, we've got some big questions to get through. Spatch tower sounds kind of a lot like the dice tower, right? Is that going to be a problem? Legally, no. 100%. <laughs> 100% approved by Tom Vassell. You can see there's Tom Vassell himself saying, this is fine. Uh, it's 100% approved by the Dice Tower. They've got no problem with this. They don't see any crossover in the audience. Uh, the, uh, yeah, it's going to be absolutely fine. So you don't need to worry about anything legal on that front. Obviously, we've got some, the big questions here. I know you guys have got a lot of questions about the Shuttleman and Down's Tower. I have one big question. Right, so the big questions. What's the marketing model? Now, the marketing model we're largely going to be using is just the traditional marketing model. We're going to advertise it, we're going to sell it in places, we're going to get people to talk about it. Second question, what's the gross profit per unit? <laughs> yeah, I... There's nothing gross about profit. Profit is an important part of capitalism. Any money you make is good money. So, there's not going to be any gross profit at all. It's going to be all absolutely solid and how can i get in on this opportunity Well i'm really glad that you've all asked that because today i would like to offer you collectively 0.5 percent of the business for three hundred thousand dollars might seem like a lot but honestly this kind of opportunity doesn't rock around very often um so i just have a really big think about it maybe talk to the people around you and be like how many thousand can you throw in because i think collectively three hundred thousand dollars I mean, in the board game community, I've seen a lot of these Kickstarters getting some really big numbers, so I think we can do this. Uh, if everyone and, now turns to your left and right and asks how much money the person to your left and right has... You know, how much are you willing? Like how, many, you know, how many how many tens of Ks are you willing to put into this? You between know? two bank accounts of Matt's Spatch Tower... Yeah, it's, it's my Spatch Tower business, which is... I haven't really discussed this with Quinns, but obviously like, he's going to get a cut of this. Uh, I haven't worked out how much. Obviously not as much as 0.5%. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he will obviously get a cut, because, you know, You know, business partners and all that stuff. Um, Yeah. And this is my dream. For just $300,000, could it be yours? I think I've I've realized... And that's the end of my presentation on the Shut Up, Sit Down Spatch Tower. (laughs) Um, Do you have any questions? Would you like to... uh, (laughs) <laughs> describe the Spatch Tower for the people out there. Oh own. well, the Spatch Tower obviously is a—it's a dice tower made out of rubberized uh, cooking spatulas. Um, that's a prototype image. Uh, we haven't got the final design in yet, but effectively, yeah, it's just—it's a, it's a combination item, so it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's very versatile. Uh, it's 18 spatulas combined. You can put the dice into the top. Dude, come you know someone's bottom. gonna make this for you. <laughs> Uh, and the great thing is, um, you know, the, the spatulas are attached together, but if you get a knife, you can cut one out if you need a spatula in a fix. Spatula is, of course, the most useful kitchen appliance available. It's rubberized, which means it's going to be like, you know, it's not going to transmit heat, you're not going to burn your hands, and uh, yeah. <clears throat> is this because... Um, are you looking for ways alternate revenue streams? Uh, because I've made you do a list feature this month <laughs> because of the Christmas <laughs> games thing. I'm not going to make you cover 15 board games in a video again. If I promise that, no, I really, I, I really like making that video, it's really fun, it's got loads of jokes in it. No, no, I just, this is my, this is my dream. It's um, your vision. It's, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a... I mean, there's nobody doing this, alright? <laughs> like, everyone's all, like, whispering to each other, going, I don't know, what's, what's he doing, what's he doing? like, who, who else is out there making a dice tower out of uh, kitchen spatulas? Like, and this is supposed to be an innovative idea, there's one gentleman down here. There's only one other person in the room, out there... <laughs> Doing this in 2018, I frankly think that's a bit disgusting. Mm. I think as an industry, we've got to like really uh, push the boat out. <laughs> <laughs> Quins, well, I, why are they laughing at my head? <laughs> I, I don't have any questions. I, I just, what be, I'm just imagining now the conversations of these people's friends going, Oh, so you went to the Shut Up and Down podcast, what was it like? And then just like the faraway far gaze uh, <laughs> that falls upon their face. I was doing this at five in the morning. <laughs> True. <laughs> the, is right the file job. name is the PowerPoint file called Jetlag Is A Wonderful Thing. PowerPoint. No? no. Good. Okay. Thank you very much, everybody. That's been our show. But if you would like to hang out, we still have 20 more minutes for a live Q and A before we dash off for lunch. So, if you came here for the podcast, that's great. It's over. You can escape. There'll be no more spatches and packs unplugged. We can almost guarantee. Matt's shaking his head. He's confident. But if you'd like to hang out, we'll be talking nonsense. We'll be uh, answering your questions. Then, yeah. You can do that, Matt. Thank you very much for that lovely presentation. Thanks. I mean, <clears throat> if you go to uh, crowdcube.com forward slash <laughs> yeah. spatch tower, S-P-A-T-H-T-R, I think some of the people leaving aren't taking note of this, which is- <laughs> <laughs>